Hey, this is Jim Larrabee. I'm the lead pastor here at First Christian Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer is that the words you hear encourage you, that they challenge you, that they build your faith and draw you closer to Jesus. So, enjoy. Good morning, FCC. And for you watching online, good morning. I didn't hear nothing. Uh, so uh, as you can tell, I'm not Jim. My name's Don. I'm the adult ministry pastor here. And uh, I just have a few things I want to say before I get into the message. Uh, and the first one is that, uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you've noticed, but as you walk out the doors, you'll see uh, a set of uh, golf clubs, very small golf clubs. They belong to my grandson. That is a golf raffle that's supporting uh, the Tamar Center in Pattaya, Thailand. They take women from, uh, who don't have uh, jobs and are using uh, uh, ways of, other ways of making money, and they teach them a trade. And so all the money from the golf raffle will go towards supporting uh, the Tamar Center. And then also, if you haven't noticed, it's Christmas season. Yeah, yeah. Come on, whose who's favorite holiday is Christmas? Come on, all right, all right, there we go. Well, believe it or not, there are some people that are struggling mightily during this Christmas season. And we have received a lot of requests for benevolence. And because of that, um, we are asking if you have, and Jim mentioned this last week, if you have some extra funds and you would like to help support somebody for a Christmas dinner, please take the gift, uh, the giving envelope in front of the uh, chair, just write turkey, ham, Christmas, whatever you want to write on it, and we will make sure that money is used to purchase a, a, a dinner for a family that's in need here in Santa Maria. So first, let me open us in prayer before I get into the message. Lord, I just want to thank you. I thank you for the gift of your son. Lord, you uh, have given us something that is beyond treasure. And Lord, I just ask now that um, my words not be spoken here, but your words, Lord. I ask for your will. Uh, we ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so uh, the series that Jim started last week, does anybody remember? B. B, right, exactly. Anybody remember what it was? B, what? Generous. Very good. Somebody, some, Jim, if you're listening, somebody paid attention yesterday or last week. Anybody want to take a guess what I'm going to talk about the week after Thanksgiving? Thankfulness, yes, be thankful. Uh, I'm just curious, anybody here still eating turkey leftovers? Anybody tired of turkey leftovers? No, no, oh. You can come over to my house. You have some in mine. Um, so what I'd like to talk about is being thankful. And uh, all month, uh, Jim has been, uh, we've had people out on the patio on the plaza asking people what they're thankful for, asking them to remember to be thankful. But I'd like to challenge us here this holiday season, this Christmas season, to go beyond thankfulness. Um, I want to ask you to go a little bit deeper and, and take your faith into something that takes your thankfulness into action. Um, I believe that as Christians, what we have to be thankful for should motivate us to change our lives, to do something beyond just being thankful. Uh, thankfulness is, is, is being pleased and relieved that something happened. 
But, but going beyond that, it means that we have a change of heart. We, we show our appreciation by our actions, by, by changing something in our lives. So let me, let me give you an example. Uh, I know you, yes, I'm up here, so you have to hear another cop story. So um, I am working on State Street on my police motor, and a guy drives by, and it's a two-seater sports car. And there are six people in the car. Now, even I know there's something wrong with that picture, right? So I pull him over, and he gives me, he tells me the story. He goes, oh, my gosh, I'm a UCSB student. I was driving up the street. I stopped at a red light, and all my buddies who were there jumped in the car. And what am I supposed to do? You know, the light changed, and I was feeling... I don't know what I was feeling. And anyway, I told him, okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You tell these guys they have to walk, and I'll give you a break. And he goes, oh, thank you, officer. Thank you. Now, it was the way he said thank you that kind of set my radar going, beep, beep. So I went around the corner and stopped my bike and just watched State Street. Anybody want to take a guess what happened about two minutes later? He got back in the car with all six people in the car and drove by me. I pulled him over and stopped him. And I gave, I actually got five tickets out of that car. (laughs) I wrote every single passenger that was riding and I wrote the driver for allowing and I towed his car. (laughs) He wasn't too thankful after that, but, but I just realized when he said thank you to me, it wasn't a sincere thank you. It wasn't a, a thank you that was gonna change anything in his life. Now, I, I fast forward a little bit. I don't remember if this was a week or two or something like that afterwards. I'm working radar on Foothill Road. And Bishop Diego High School is a private high school with a closed campus. And uh, I see this car about lunchtime going about 50 miles an hour. It's supposed to 35. And I uh, pull the car over. And when I walk up, I see it's like high school kids. And obviously, they're from Bishop Diego. And the kid just says to me, He was very polite. He had his license and his registration in his hand when I walked up. And when I walked up, I looked in the window, and there was just something about him. I mean, he had this this look of like the whole weight of the world was on his soul. And I asked him, I said, well, what's wrong? And he said to me, he goes, I've had my license about eight months. And my dad told me that if I get a ticket, he's going to take my car He's going to take my driver's license and I won't be able to drive till I'm 18 years old. He was 16 and a half. I'm sorry, man. My heart broke for the kid. I was just like, oh my gosh. Because back then, I actually knew what it was like to be 16. Now I have no idea. I don't remember what it's like to be 16. But back then I did. And I, and I looked at him and, and I, he wasn't asking for a break. He didn't give me any excuses. And I just said to him, son, have a nice day and slow down. He opens the car door and he jumps into my arms. And I don't mean just hug me. He wraps his legs around me. I am standing there on my motor going, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he is kissing me. And he can't stop saying thank you. Now, I don't know for sure if that, my giving him a warning changed his life. But I can tell you by the actions that he demonstrated to me, I think I made an impact on his life. And I would like to think that he didn't speed off after I left the area. 
But that's the difference between being thankful in your, in, in your mind and being thankful in your heart and letting actions take, take, a, take hold. Uh, let me use um, a, a description from the Old Testament on thankfulness. Actually, I'm sorry, the New Testament. Um, anybody here remember the story of the demon-possessed man? It, you can find it in the book of Mark. Um, Jesus gets out of the boat, comes across a man who's been possessed by demons for quite some time. And most of the villagers are scared of him because of his, he goes out of his mind. And when he comes to uh, Jesus, Jesus basically casts the demons out into the pigs and the pigs run into the water. Now, there are several versions of Jesus doing something very similar. And in most of the versions, you don't hear anything more about the demon-possessed man. But in the book of Mark, this is what it says, Mark 5, verses 18 through 20. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Not just asked, begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Copolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. What Jesus had done for that man went beyond just being thankful. He wanted to demonstrate what he could do with his thankfulness. He wanted to take action. And he did take action. He went to a place that probably hadn't even heard of Jesus. And he spread the word about Christ. And, and I ask you, is your thankfulness spreading the word about Christ? And I ask you this too. How do we show our thanks to a God who sent his son to die for us on the cross so we can have eternal life with him. We owe our thankfulness so much deeper than just feelings. But we need to put that thankfulness into action. You know, I was going to speak from the Old Testament. And I was going to speak from one of the minor prophets. And many of you pronounce the, the prophet Habakkuk. Except it's not pronounced like that. It's pronounced Habakkuk. Now, I did not want to say that for three services with a dry mouth. So I'm going to be preaching from the New Testament. <laughs> and I'm thankful I could do that. But, you know, an attitude of thankfulness can be a struggle for many of us. And I want to assure you that this message, as I was writing it, I'm talking to myself. Because, you know, thankfulness in action can be hard, right? Thankfulness in action means doing, usually doing something you don't want to do. You know, taking cookies over to somebody you can't stand. Maybe helping somebody hang some lights when you're scared of heights. That would be me. Anybody else scared of heights? Anybody else got a peaked roof? Uh, and you get up to the top and that ladder's going, uh, uh, uh. anyway, sorry, I digress. It can be a struggle to let our thankfulness motivate us into action. And then, you know what I do sometimes too? 
I let circumstances dictate whether I'm thankful or not. If it's, if it's good, I'm thankful. If it's not good, I'm not too thankful. And you know, here we go again. Let me wet my lips a little bit here. The prophet Habakkuk struggled with thankfulness because he looked at the negative in this world. Anybody here watch the news this morning? Very good. Anybody here watch the news last night? Okay, I know some of you must have watched the news. Nobody? Okay. It's hard to find things in the news to be thankful for. And, and this just isn't during our time. It was the same in the first century. You know, Habakkuk saw a dying world and he struggled with why God would allow that. Um, we just had a missions trip come back from Africa. And when my wife was over there, she was on the trip. She called me one day, actually one night, and I could feel her soul was breaking. There are children in Africa, and I know many of them are supported by, by people like you here, but it's, it's almost hopeless for some of these kids. And all they have is Christ. And my wife saw a dying, struggling world, and she struggled with thankfulness. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> if I have to pronounce Habakkuk one more time, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> so we see evil in the world. I see evil in the world. And we wonder why God allows it. And we struggle with it. And we struggle with our thankfulness, especially when you see things happening in this world. And this is what Habakkuk wrote in chapter one. He says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteousness so that justice is perverted. Sound familiar? Sound like our world today? Sounds like some of our struggles today? Havakuk was letting his circumstances dictate how he responded. And sometimes I also lose my focus. And that's what Habakkuk was doing. He was losing his focus. And don't we do that in this world sometimes? We look this way and not this way. Because this is where we find our thankfulness. Not here, here. And you know, it's a very short book. That's why it's called One of the Minor Prophets. But one chapter later, Habakkuk finds his answer. And it's in Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. He says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. 
Has the circumstances changed? No, it's still nothing. It's still dreariness. It's still struggle. But this is what he said. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. He focused on the eternal. He took his eyes off this world and he realized all the blessings that God has given us. Do you recognize where you're sitting right now? You have a roof over your head. My wife showed me pictures of where they were meeting in Africa. My goodness gracious people, we are so blessed. We have so much to be thankful for. And I take myself as part of it. I I don't look at all the blessings in my life. He was thankful for God. Do not let circumstances dictate your thankfulness. Don't let this world dictate your actions. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Anybody remember some of the circumstances he went through? He was stoned and not, not marijuana stoned. He was stoned with bricks. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. He had poor eyesight. He wasn't very handsome. He was short. If you're short, I apologize. He complained about it, not me. He did not have enough gifts from the church. He was complaining about his money. I know I haven't been shipwrecked or stoned, but I'm sure some of us can relate to Paul's circumstances. And I know in this church, there are many people that are going through a lot of things. I am also the counseling pastor, so I know a lot of what you're going through. And it's hard sometimes. It's hard sometimes to take our eyes off our circumstances and refocus on Christ. And why could Paul be thankful in all circumstances? Because that's exactly what he did. He took his eyes off of his circumstances and he refocused on Christ. And it's so easy, but so hard. It's easy, but it's difficult. In 1 Thessalonians Paul is addressing the church in Thessalonica and what he is basically telling them is Christ is going to return and he will set everything right. So it doesn't matter what your circumstances are now. Look to the future. Look to the eternal. And it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. You can be thankful. And you know, there's something else too. Our attitude of thankfulness affects those around us. Has anybody been around somebody that is always upbeat? I mean, you, if you walk in, even if you're in the worst mood, as soon as you see him, I mean, Danny's one of those guys. I, I see Danny, yes, Danny, and I smile as soon as I see him because I know we're gonna have some friendly banter, we're gonna joke around, and, and he lifts my spirits. Thankfulness is contagious. 
your actions will spur others into actions. Have you ever not wanted to do something and somebody says, come on, it'll be fun. And you go and do it and guess what? It's fun. I would argue that probably most wives here, my wife trying to get me to go do something is like herding cattle. I don't want to go and I'm a lot bigger than she is. And you know what I hate the most though? Is when I go, guess what? I, yeah, I enjoy myself. Ah, I hate that. Her joyfulness, her spirit, her thankfulness spurs me on to action, spurs me to do something. 2 Corinthians 9.2, Paul addresses the church in Corinth when he says, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you in Hyaya were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them into action. What was happening in the church in Corinth was affecting the churches in Macedonia. Their giving, their thankfulness was contagious. Is your thankfulness contagious in your community? Is it contagious in your house? Do you walk in the door and your kids are happy to see you? Your wife's enthusiastic because she knows how thankful you are to have a wife? How thankful you are to have children? There are people that would just die to have companionship. So I ask you, where is your focus? I do this. I, I do it on occasion. I, I lose my focus. Paul the apostle was thankful for not the things of this earth, but, but for the eternal. And he was thankful for that eternal gift called salvation. And it wasn't a gift we earn. It isn't a gift we, we have to beg for. It's a gift that is given to us, which should make us even more thankful. Because what happens when you, you work at something and you feel like you've earned it? You think you deserve it, right? You're not as thankful. But this is something that God says, I love you, I love you, I'm going to give you this free gift and I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care what you're gonna do in the future. Just believe in my son and you can have this free gift. It should make us even more thankful. You know, Paul had tried so hard to be religious. So hard we try so hard to impress God. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Are you thankful for that free gift? I mean, that alone 
should get you all the way through your life. Because you know something? You can't lose it. Anybody ever been given something and you lost it? Like within the first week? Yeah. Especially kids in, your, kids in their presence. You know, you buy them something for Christmas and within a week, hey, what happened to that toy I gave you? I don't know. Well, where is it? I don't know. You can't lose this gift. Because guess what? God holds the seal. God keeps the gift for you. He keeps it fresh for you. Paul was thankful for the cross and the empty grave. What was Paul before he found the cross and the empty grave? Paul was angry. He was driven by hatred. And he was driven by his own will. Acts 9, 1 through 3 says, Meanwhile, Saul, which was later to be Paul, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, the way was being a Christian, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. The man was full of hatred. I know where I was before I found the cross and the empty grave. I was, and by the way, don't ask my wife. I'm telling you what I was. I was self-centered. I was full of anger. I don't know if I had hatred, but I was full of anger. And I was definitely walking in my own will. Paul found his way when he was in Damascus, on his way to Damascus. He found Christ. He found the center of his universe. The encounter, because of his thankfulness, changed his life. Acts 9, 3 through 8 says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you would, must do. Paul later becomes the disciple who basically writes most of the New Testament. His thankfulness for what Christ did for his life changed his heart and changed him completely. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. Sometimes I don't spread the aroma. <laughs> Careful. I don't spread the aroma of Christ because I'm not thankful. I'm not focused on the right thing. I'm looking at my circumstances. I need to always remember what Christ is giving me as a free gift. I would like to think that I have changed. And again, don't ask my wife. Sometimes she lies. Anyway. And I know she's watching this, so I'm sorry, honey. Um, 
I had an encounter. I wouldn't call it a Christ encounter, but it's when I realized that sometimes Christ actually does speak in me. Uh, we used to live in Northern California, and I used to drive from uh, the Bay Area to visit my mother-in-law in Lodi, California. And there's a little two-lane roadway. Well, actually, it's a highway. It's a two-lane highway that uh, goes from the Bay Area to uh, Stockton. And um, it was under construction, and it's a double yellow line. There's, there's no passing. It's a posted 55 miles an hour. And my wife and I were sitting in the car, and, and I had uh, a, a Christian radio, a Christian music on the radio. And my wife and I were talking about a church that had hired me to be a counselor. And we were really focused on Christ. And in my rearview mirror, suddenly I see a car flying, coming flying up behind me, but I can see cars coming this way. And I'm thinking to myself, he's either going to rear in me or he's going to hit these cars head on because you couldn't go right and you can't go left because there's a, it's a, anybody been on the levee road? Anybody know what a levee is? Separates two bodies of water? Yeah. You go right, you're in the water. You go left, you're in the water. So you really know where to go. And this guy pulls out behind me and starts to pass. And literally, he's going to hit the car in front of me head on. So I slam on my brakes, start to skid. He cuts back in front and keeps on going. Now, normally, I would have said something. He wouldn't have heard it, but I would have felt better. But instead, you know, I looked at my wife and I said, honey, we need to pray for him right now so that he doesn't hurt anybody. My wife looked at me and said, who are you and what'd you do with my husband? Christ and his focus, I didn't look at my circumstances. I looked at, thankfully, I was alive, and I wasn't sitting in the water, but I was more worried about the man in front of us who had passed and his safety. And I remember thinking to myself, I normally wouldn't have acted like that, but because my focus was on the cross and the empty grave, I responded differently. Let me ask you this. Are you, and this, by the way, I'm asking myself this too. Um, believe me, I am far from perfect. Are you thankful enough for what Christ has done in your life to have a heart change? That in, in, instead of being angry or mad at what you see on TV. Instead, you, you, you get on your knees and you pray. You know, there was, uh, there was an accident, I think, uh, two, three weeks ago where two children were killed in a car crash uh, over on uh, and, and, uh, Blosser. Yes, and, and we pray for the parents. We pray for the children. But how many pray for the DUI driver? He needs Christ. He needs to come to a saving faith in Christ. Do you, do you let circumstances dictate your thankfulness? I do sometimes. Is your thankfulness affecting others around you? Do, do people smile when they see you coming? Or do they turn and walk the other way and don't answer that, Danny? 
or do they turn and walk the other way? Is your influence positive or negative? Does your influence for Christ or for this world? In your daily life, are you, are you so thankful that you're constantly focused on the internal? So that no matter what happens in your life, you can always be thankful. And are you thankful for that gift of salvation? That gift that you can never lose? The gift that's given to you with no attachments? Are you the driver of the first car I stopped on State Street? Are you the driver of the second car I stopped on Foothill? Do your actions, do people look at you and say, wow, that's a Christ follower. And boy, is he or she thankful. Man, thankful for what Christ has done in their life. Pastor Jordan's gonna come out and, and sing a song called Thank You. And as you, as you listen to the song, the reason I asked him to sing it is because as you listen to the words, you're gonna hear the man is just thankful for the little things in life. The, the little things that we have, the blessings we have. I, I don't know the statistics, but somebody told me, I mean, being born in America, wow, what a blessing. The fact that you're here in America, what a blessing. We have so much to be thankful for. And you know, we don't have a list of do's and don'ts. We just have our hearts. And where is your heart focused? Is it focused on thankfulness? Is it focused on what it needs to be focused on? You know, are you making an impact? Are you speaking for Christ here on this earth? Let me close this in prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for everything you do in our lives, Lord. The little things, the big things, the things we notice, the things we don't notice. Lord, I just continually ask that you work in our lives. Help us to stay focused on you. Help us to stay focused on what's important. Lord, as um, we enter this Christmas season, we can only help but be thankful for the gift of your son, the gift that you gave us, not for anything we did, but for what you did for us, Lord. I just continually want to thank you. Let thank thankfulness be on my heart every day, every hour, every minute. Lord, I just ask a blessing on everyone here. Just work your miracles in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with a friend. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. 
If you'd like to find out more information about giving or to see what's going on in the life of our church, please visit us at fccsantamaria.org. Thanks again for listening and God bless.